When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm Mary Kay Cabot. And I'm Scott Patsko. And it is Monday. We are sitting at our favorite picnic table here in Berea, again outside. Uh, so you might hear a little background noise, but as you know by now, that's sort of how it goes. We're going to do six topics here uh, from Monday of practice before the Browns head off to their joint practices in Indiana against the Colts. And Mary Kay, you are up first. You know, I'm going to go with the culture shock narrative that came out today. Freddie Kitchens talking about how these players really didn't come into this camp being used to this sort of thing. They've been in pads every single day except for once they put them on uh, on the third day of camp. They had pads on every single day except for the day after the game uh, the other day on Friday. Uh, He believes that that's what they need to get ready for the season because you play the game in pads. So... Here they are out here crunching pads every single day and having a a more physical camp than the Browns are used to. I guess for me, I I take the approach of we'll see. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) we'll we'll see what effect this has on the Browns long term. We'll see what effect it has on them uh, this year. I think we've had coaches come in who have run physical camps. I think Mike Pettin's camps were particularly physical. I actually think some of Hugh Jackson's stretches of Hugh Jackson's camps were, were particularly physical physical when he had pads on and he didn't have pads on as much I thought his practices were very physical when there were pads on a lot of live tackling and hitting so um, you know I understand what Freddie Kitchens is trying to do I think this is what a new head coach needs to do if this is the way he wants his team to play I, I liked the line he gave about I'm trying to see I'm paraphrasing here obviously but I'm trying to see kind of who's buying in I'm trying to see who's who's kind of made for this um, but as with everything right now, we'll, we'll see what happens when the season starts and, and if wins follow. You know, when Hugh Jackson was here, I think there was always a question of what's the team's identity. And uh, it's kind of clear that with Freddie Kitchens, it's, it's being a tough physical team uh, with the way he's run camp. Uh, you know, if you thought that this team had become a bunch of prima donnas that were reading their own headlines and were ready for a, an easy camp, uh, that certainly wasn't the case. Uh, it's been physical. It's been loud and crunching and there's been I think enough tackling to to make it kind of meet up with what Hugh Jackson did during his siren uh, periods <laughs> but, uh, but yeah it's been physical and it's, it's obvious that's what that's what the identity of the team is right now can I, can I say this sometimes we're standing out of practice and there's there's like hospitals and stuff around and I'll hear a siren like a ambulance or whatever and I think oh siren period where are we going and then I realize no this is not the Hugh Jackson era anymore we don't do siren periods but um one thing's for sure, Freddie Kitchens has lived up to everything he's told us and everything he's said. He wants a, a very physical training camp, um, and, and that's what we've gotten to uh, to this point. Uh, let's see, topic number two. Let's talk joint practices. The Browns are going to uh, Westfield for two days. They're going to travel on Tuesday. They'll practice Wednesday and Thursday, and then they will play the Colts on Saturday. Um, these are always interesting. Depending on who you talk to, some players and coaches really love joint practices and think they're more important than preseason games. 
Other players like Joel Batonio today kind of think the preseason games are more important than joint practices. So uh, ultimately, what do you guys think the Browns want to get out of these next, not, not the game necessarily, but what do you think they want to get out of those two days? Well, you know, I think that they want to get different looks on both sides of the ball. They want to practice against different schemes. They want to see different fronts and things like that. It's also going up against different body styles. And as Jarvis mentioned today, you know, some of the defensive backs start to know your tendencies and get to know you a little bit. So, yeah, and the other thing is that I think is interesting, uh, you kind of get an evaluation of how good your team is. For instance, Baker Mayfield will, he might know, wow, I've been going up against a really good defense in practice every day when he goes against the Colts. You get a little bit of a measuring stick about how good your offense or defense is. Yeah, on the other side, you know, Greg Robinson doesn't have to worry about Miles Garrett anymore, although Miles Garrett doesn't sound like he's going to be able to take uh, get, get at uh, uh, Andrew Luck. Um, he's barely been uh, participating in practice due to injury. But, yeah, it's, it's getting a, a look at new people, and I think beyond that is just being healthy. You know, there have been days when there have been a ton of people over on the bikes. Um, it's kind of gotten back a little bit to uh, your main group being out there, especially along the defensive line. There weren't as many people over there today, I don't believe. But if they can make it through those two practices healthy and go into the second preseason game and, and get a, maybe a better look at more frontline players that we would expect to see, then that's probably a successful week. I, I just think it's really good that not only are they doing a joint practice, but they're going against a team that a lot of the a lot of people think it's a chance to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, a lot of people think the Colts are in that, that short list. You've got the Patriots, of course, the Chiefs. The Colts lost to the Chiefs last year in the divisional round. If Andrew Luck is healthy, um, they have a chance to be really, really good. Chris Ballard's done a great job building that team, uh, especially with, with his late-round picks and second-round picks. So I, I think it's really good to see this team, if they're going to go against somebody different, I'm glad it's somebody like the Colts, somebody who... You know, if the Browns get where they want to get, they might have to play the Colts for real in January. And, and I think it's great that they're going to go against a real defense, a real offense. This isn't, you know, some rebuilding unit. This is a legitimate uh, Super Bowl contender. And, and I think it's a good opportunity. We're not going to come away saying, like, oh, the Browns are definitely better than the Colts or the Colts are definitely better than the Browns. But it's a good measuring stick, I think, for us to start to get an idea of where this team really is. Having said that, I'm not a huge fan of joint practices. I feel like it adds almost two preseason games onto the preseason for players. I don't know how the the union even allows it. I mean, you're going up against, it's like playing two more games. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I think it lends itself to fights, to injuries. And uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. They, everybody always says four preseason games is too much. Then, you know, why are you making them play almost two more? I, as long as it's not ridiculously hot, Joel Batonio won't mind. He, yeah. he complained today about the Tampa practices. He's and not said, lying about that. Yeah, yeah. For the first time in his career, he just wanted to make it through the practice. Just each play was was a chore because of the heat. So it should be a little nicer. In I I arrived at my at that Tampa practice. It was at night. It was yeah. like eight o'clock. My flight gets in. I get downtown. Uh, I was staying downtown, which was a mistake. And there's ceiling fans outside my hotel, and I walked to a drugstore up the street to get some stuff to, to get from my hotel, and I was sweating at like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night. So Joel Batonio is not lying about how hot it was down there during those few days. All right, Scott, topic three. Uh, let's talk about Odell. Um, he did not participate in team drills today. Uh, he has not 
participated in team drills in pads in almost a week. He didn't uh, play in the preseason game, of course. Um, and Freddie said that he and Jarvis were being held out to deal with some minor things uh, that they're fighting through. Um, but this guy just goes back to the issue of chemistry with Baker and something that we wondered about when uh, Odell wasn't at OTAs. Um, it's been kind of on and off. I mean, they've had their moments, certainly, and, and Odell's had some great catches. And uh, But are we concerned that 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 chemistry is kind of falling behind maybe because of how much Odell is on the sideline? Mm-hmm. I am. I, I definitely am. I've, I've thought that those two, uh, that it's a work in progress, this whole entire camp. You know, it takes a lot of reps for a wide receiver and a quarterback to completely get on the same page, know each other's tendencies, know each other's nuances. We see the chemistry between Baker Mayfield and Rashard Higgins. Why do they have it? Because they repped it and repped it and repped it last year. And, of course, I'm sure once they get into the games, this is going to mean absolutely nothing because Odell is so talented and Baker is so <laughs> accurate, right? Yeah. It's probably really not going to matter much, and it will be much ado about nothing. But I do think for a receiver, I mean, I've, I've heard Julian Edelman talk about, you know, working overtime with Tom Brady to, to be where he needs him to be and to do what he needs him to do. And every time we talk to a coach, they do talk about how – uh, how it is still a work in progress between Baker and Odell because Odell is still learning the scheme, they're still learning him, and it just it does take a little bit of time. So I am mildly concerned that he hasn't been in team drills very much, really, this camp. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think ultimately it does it does matter to get that timing down, and you know maybe you can work on that a little bit in the early part of the season. But there's going to come a point where you're going to need a conversion to win a game or you're going to need a touchdown to win a game or to keep a game-winning drive going um and you're going to need to know exactly where your receivers are going to be you know they're going to need to know where the quarterback wants you to be you pick up those little nuances by working together over time and uh, that, that'll happen eventually with these two guys but it is going to be slowed a little bit if Odell Beckham isn't able to participate a lot in, in the team portions now like you said Mary Kay it's not really going to affect him statistically, and it's not going to affect him, Baker's ability to get him the football most of the time. But, you know, when, when the chips are down and you've got to get a big play, Baker Mayfield's going to drop back and know where number 81 is going to be. Eventually he's going to have to develop that with, with number 13 as well. Uh, Mary Kay, topic four. Uh, let's just talk about Chad Thomas real quick. I mean, it was it threw a huge scare into the whole team today. It does have an impact on practice when a player goes down like that. He had to be immobilized. Uh, he was put on a, a stretcher and then taken off on a cart. He's now at university hospitals. He's undergoing further testing. So there's a, a pretty darn good chance he's not going to Indianapolis. Uh, and if he does, he would probably maybe meet the team there in a couple of days or something like that. It could just be a stinger, but uh, that's, a, that's a very, very scary thing. And that could linger for a while as well. And it, and it did suck the air out of practice. I mean, the practice was noticeably different after right. that happened, as you'd expect. Right. You know, it, it takes it to, for these guys to see players get hurt. Yeah. Um, and, and then to see them get carted off, that, that takes a lot of energy out of practice. It, it sticks on their minds whether they want to admit it or not. Um, it, it took the air out of practice. And just from a football standpoint, you know, Chad Thomas had a really nice game or at least made some plays on Thursday night. He's just had a rough camp, though. You know, he, had, he was dealing with that little stomach bug or whatever it was uh, a few weeks ago. Finally got back. It takes time to recover from something like that. Um, and, and now 
hopefully this is just something minor. Uh, hopefully this was all just precautionary, um, and he'll be able to get back sooner rather than later. But um, it was, you know, it's always a scary moment when that happens. And um, injury, you never want injuries, but to have them happen in training camp makes it even worse. Yeah, and he's an important part of that depth uh, at defensive end. I think early, early in camp, uh, he was he was the guy who would show up uh, at the outside. Um, with the first team if Miles Garrett or Vernon weren't there. It's been Chris Smith a lot since then. Um, but but both those guys are going to be counted on to rotate in at times. And to, to lose somebody who you kind of know is, is in that second group of guys, um, you know, that, that could be big. Um, I'm going to talk about Miles Garrett. Um, I, I just – today he had a huge day, um, as again. And I just – it, it was the lead of, uh, you know, I, I had the defense today, and it, it was just sort of the lead of what I wrote about the defense. Everything I see about Miles Garrett just tells me this guy is ready for a huge year. Physically, he's lost weight, uh, but just mentally, he seems really comfortable in his own skin out there. I mean, he's at practice autographing things for fans when he's not doing individual reps. He's got his dog on the sideline. Uh, his dad is, is there watching almost every day. Um, He's really loose, um, and, and he's just—he—he he seems like he's really comfortable and really ready to take that next step. Um, <laughs> there's our, our favorite toilet yeah. truck over <laughs> behind us, uh, but it, it's just—we'll see again. We'll see when the season starts, but it feels like Miles Garrett is ready to take that leap that a lot of guys take in year three. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he really feels like he has been turned loose in this defense. I think he really loves being coached by Tosh Lukoy, who came over from Alabama. Uh, he's really teaching him and, and coaching him up, really hands-on. And then Steve Wilkes just wants to turn him loose and get him upfield after the quarterback. We saw one play today where he got into the backfield and Baker uh, you know, backed up and then just dropped him off. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, he was coming at him so fast. Yeah. And, you know, I think he's going to strike that kind of fear into quarterbacks all season long. But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact he feels so comfortable that Steve Wilkes had just said, go. Yeah, that play where uh, where Baker kind of dropped the ball out of the end zone, um, Eric Cush kind of pulled back to his left to uh, try and get Miles as he came around. And it, it nowhere near being in time and, you know, resulted in the safety. There were two other plays when uh, the offense was in the red zone where Baker actually got touchdown passes. But both those plays would have ended with Miles Garrett sacks if this was a real game and the coaches weren't letting things continue. So you see those plays every day here, and you know it just it's going to be something to watch this season. And you see the freedom he has too. I mean, you watch he'll go over and tap Chris Smith or Olivier Vernon on the shoulder before a play and say, "Hey, you go over there. I'm going to be on this side of this play." And I actually asked him about that after the scrimmage. You know, do you are they telling you to do that, or are you just allowed to line up where you want? He said he's basically allowed to. If he wants to go right side, he goes right side. If he wants to switch, he switches. I feel like the dominant plays I've seen him make are still coming from that right side where he's more comfortable. But um, he's, he's been unbelievable. Well, he's going to have to be double teamed. I mean, he's that's all there is to it. He's going to have to be – they're going to have to chip and double team – pretty much on every single play, which will open things up for Olivier Vernon and other guys on that defensive line. Uh, but they, they actually did take Greg Robinson out for a few plays at, 
the end of practice today and they put Kendall Lamb in there, you almost just have to wonder if they just weren't like, okay, let's give this guy a break. You know, like, <laughs> we need to get him out of here. Freddie said it was a, a tape issue with, you know, yeah. something having to do with his hand or whatever. But, you know, it could also have been, you know what, let's just get him out of there for a couple plays. Well, Kendall Lamb probably had flashbacks to that game last year in yeah. Houston. He was the left tackle, right? So yeah. he probably had flashbacks to uh, – to dealing with Miles Garrett in yeah. Houston last year. All right, topic six. Let's wrap it up. All right, let's talk about someone we have not talked about before. DJ Montgomery. You know, we 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 all know uh, Antonio Callaway is going to miss the first four games. Um, what does that mean to the rest of the wide receiver group? Well, that means that somebody's going to have to rise up and maybe take an extra spot that we hadn't thought was going to be there. And DJ Montgomery's a guy who seems to be taking advantage of that. Uh, he's been making plays over the past week. He's been with the third and fourth team mostly. He caught a touchdown pass against the Redskins in the fourth quarter. But today he got some second team reps. He caught a, a, about a 20-yard back shoulder pass from Drew Stanton. Later he caught one over the shoulder. Uh, you know, he seems like somebody who is making his name known in that jumble of receivers. So now who, you know, how do we rank these guys? We know Beckham and Landry and Higgins are the top three. If you take Callaway out of the equation for the first four games, we figure Derek Willies, Jalen Strong kind of come up. Mm-hmm. So that's five. If there's a last spot there, who? what's the ranking? You have Ishmael Hyman, you have Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, you got uh, Montgomery, you got uh, Baker. Um, you know, I don't know who, who, other than Montgomery, who's, who's standing out as a receiver in that group. Well, you know, a guy like Montgomery has really gotten a great opportunity here because Damian Ratley has not practiced the whole entire camp. Right. He came into this camp with a great opportunity. He's a draft pick. You know, you always get a, a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt to when you're when you're a draft pick. So he came in with a, a great opportunity to make this team and make an impact. Uh, he has not been able to practice at all, and that has really, really hurt his cause. Uh, so, so you do have a really good, strong battle now with Antonio Callaway out. And like we have said before, Odell Beckham Jr. is not practicing in team hardly at all. Uh, so it gives rise to a player like a Montgomery and Sheehy and those kind of guys. But you have to wonder, you know, I mean, if maybe they will stick around. The battle is fierce for that last spot or two. Uh, but then once everybody's back from suspension, everybody's back healthy, you know, these guys... I think too, what's going to play into it is what can you do besides play receiver. So DJ Montgomery and Ishmael Hyman, can they cover kicks? Can they play on the return unit? Maybe not as the returner, but can they be one of the one of the up men in the return unit? I think one of the things Shee Giuseppe has to fight against is is he just a return man, or can he work on the coverage units? Can he be a receiver? I think the more multifaceted you're going to be, uh, the better off you're going to be. Um, and Montgomery's been really good. Uh, I th- I th- him and Drew Stanton seem to have a, a good connection, and that always helps to have a good connection with one of these quarterbacks. Um, I, and Ishmael Hyman, too. We, we don't talk about him a lot. He's been really good, too. I think if I had to rank the two, I might put Ishmael Hyman ahead of DJ Montgomery, but like just by a little bit. I, I think they're pretty even. Yeah, and he's I think gotten more, more second-team yeah. reps you know, mm-hmm. and some first-team reps. And I think it's just telling about where this team is, though, that those guys aren't the story of camp. Like, normally it's like, oh, here's this receiver. He's making all kinds of plays. And, yeah, just kind of shrug it off. Maybe he's the sixth guy. 
he was a practice squad guy. It kind of shows where the talent of, of this football team is, I think. But Seth Deval proved last year that you can make a John Dorsey team by missing pretty much the entire training camp. I guess Ratley is that might be trying to see if, if he can make it happen, too. All right, that'll do it for uh, this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Scott and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.